This is a HeadGum Podcast. Here I am. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And once again, I'm torn into pieces. Can't deny, can't pretend. I just thought you were the one broken up deep inside. But you weren't there to see the tears I cry. Behind these hazel eyes. The year is 2008. A lot is going on. A lot. For starters, Britney Spears releases her sixth studio album, Circus. The Twilight movie saga commences. Jay-Z and Beyonce get married. Brad and Angelina welcome Vivian and Knox. That's right, twins. Oh, and guess what movie's released? Sex and the City, the movie, the first one, Papa. Miley Cyrus causes a stir for her sultry Vanity Fair cover that Annie Leibovitz shot. And how could we forget the iconic Heath Ledger's performance in Dark Knight came out post-humus. Humus? Post-humus. Posthumous. Posthumous. (laughs) Posthumous. Posthumous. Honey. We don't know how everything's pronounced, okay? Clearly. And, uh, you know, I believe it's also the year that Obama became president. Honey. And where were we in 2008? We were in a tiny little seashore town (laughs) in Long Island. That's right. And who were we with? Our guest today on Senior Superlatives with me, Greta Teitelman, is Matt Rogers. Welcome, Matt Rogers. It's great to be welcomed. Thank you so much. That little seaside town. That little seaside town. And you know, we open up every episode with my guest's favorite song of the time. Yeah. You chose Hazel Eyes, Kelly Clarkson. Yeah. Please talk about what that song meant to you at the time. Well, it was a really tough battle, um, as you know, because I sort of waffled between mm-hmm. Since You've Been Gone, which is really the famous Kelly yeah. song mm-hmm. at the time, and Behind These Hazel Eyes, which was like the second, or actually third single from Breakaway. Yeah. And it was the angsty one. Yeah. And I picked that one because I felt that it was more indicative of the angst I was feeling at the time. And mm. also, I didn't want to pick Since You've Been Gone. So I guess this is like my way of saying, like, in terms of Kelly fandom, I'm not like other girls right you wanted to be subversive <laughs> yeah I yeah. wanted to be subversive so yeah. I picked her more like yeah alt. rage one Ragey. I will say I did it did take me a second to go there you asked how it went yeah because you were I like forgot. how does that song go again and yeah. I, I was like you know the judgmental part of yeah. me which exists yes was like hmm you don't remember her iconic music video for that song where she's in the wedding dress in the woods no I do remember that but I just you know since you've been gone you say since you've been gone immediately I go since you've been gone an like iconic I'm screaming refrain. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, I remember her striped shirt in mm-hmm. that music video. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember pretty much all her wardrobe choices at the time. <laughs> I remember 
whenever she was like dressed up for events and stuff, they were trying to do more like punk rock girl with her. Right. Like, and she was like the rock pop queen since you've been gone was like a rock song. Yeah. Like masquerading as a pop song was like, she was kind of like the more palatable, for if you're like a conservative parent, mm-hmm. you are like, yes, listen to Kelly Clarkson. Don't listen to Avril Lavigne. She was more conservative. I always said that the reason she won American Idol in 2002 was because she was the perfect George W. Bush era girl next door. Mm. And um, she was from Texas. She had a bubbly personality and an amazing big old voice. And she, I could tell in the first couple of years of her career, they didn't really know what to do with her because at that time we were only sexualizing pop stars. Yeah. And so then they found like a sound for her, which was more like, like a fuck you girl pop. Mm-hmm. And, um, they sort of dressed her like, like a bat, like a little badass. Yeah. And I remember it wasn't, it wasn't actual badass though. Cause she was still a sweet person. She was just angry in the music. Yeah. So it was sort of like, if you could trust Avril Lavigne to do an interview or if you could trust Alanis Morissette to like do an interview that was like mainstream and palatable, like that's what Kelly provided. And we love Kelly to this day. Mm-hmm. We still absolutely are obsessed with Kelly. I love her show. I love her so much. I mean, look, and I was not a Kelly girl in high school. I mean, I definitely you wouldn't have been. No, I was too busy being like, I want to listen to like Pavement and Dinosaur Jr. or like The Distillers or something. Yeah, shit. I don't even know what yeah. that is. And, um, but now I, I mean, I love Kelly. I love Kelly so much. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's like over time, there's an appreciation for anyone that's really achieved that longevity. You know what I mean? I do. Who hasn't been able to navigate Hollywood? I respect that because it is a rocky rocky road to the top okay Mm -hmm. and they have tried to tear her down and they will not succeed speaking of a rocky road to the top i want to know as we love to talk about here on this podcast where we dive deep into who you were in high school the formative and traumatic time of our lives for sure and i guess my first question is uh were you who were you in high school <laughs> who like were you were you what what was the vibe first I want to know what were you in a click okay so it came a long way from when I started high school to where it ended so let's just start in middle school like um I probably realize I'm gay and actually not probably I realized the moment I'm gay when I'm 11 years old like one day I invited my friend over to come hang out in the pool we had a really fun time Hours later, I'm getting ready for bed. I'm getting myself into bed. I'm thinking to myself, gosh, I love my friend Matt. Like, I love when he comes over. Like, I love when he goes in the pool with me. I love, like, watching him swim. I love his back. And I'm like, I love his back. I really want to touch his back. I want to, like... And then I realize in an abject moment of terror that I am a homosexual because I'm identifying what I'm feeling as a sexual impulse towards someone of the same sex as me. Yes. And so I'm like, oh my God. So from that point on, I'm like painfully aware that I'm like gay and different from everyone else. I don't know if it's like a phase, a sickness, whatever. It was just very difficult uh, in Islip, New York on Long Island to be gay because there was no one to look up to. Couldn't see myself reflected back in the media. This was at a time when the worst thing ever was to be gay because the biggest pop star in the world, and he was a pop star, was Eminem, and he was calling everyone a faggot on the radio regularly. Mm. So horrifying time. So then I kind of carry that all through middle school. I was friends with these two toxic girls 
ended my friendship with them because it was just too much. I'm just like really lost by the time I graduate, quote unquote, middle school and go into high school. I really don't have any friends. The one thing I had going for me was I was a good track athlete. Like I was mm-hmm. really good at cross country. I was running like a very fast mile by the time I was like... Agent 423? So... So Greta is referring to our friend Blair Saki, who I'm certain will be on this podcast. Absolutely. Um, her father, when I met him, I knew the way to impress this straight father was to tell him my mile time in high school, which was agent. He, he called me agent 436 because my mile time was four minutes and 36 seconds. Which is absolutely ludicrous. When I think about like the fact that I achieved that when I was a junior in high school, it is kind of surreal. Like, and that wasn't even like one of the fastest kids, like, but I was very good. I mean, running a mile in four minutes and 36 seconds, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm getting back into running now. Mm -hmm. You know, gotta stay stay heart healthy. Gotta stay heart. I gotta keep that cardio up. Running is insanely hard. And I was proud of myself yesterday for knocking my mile minute average. I'm like in the nines range. Yeah. I mean, now if I'm on the treadmill and I do like a sub seven, I'm like, okay, I worked hard today. You know what I mean? Like I I was doing a 436 by the time I was in high school, but by the time I was in eighth grade, I was doing a 452. Jesus. So I was like very good, very young. So it's that thing of when you're in high school and you're like, let me be good enough at one thing so that I'm associated with this and not something bad. Right. Like I went to high school in, like you said, a pretty small town. Like Islip High School had about 270 kids per class. So not small where everyone knows everyone intimately, but small enough where it's like everyone has an idea of who everyone else is. Yeah, yeah. So in that way, it's like perfectly set up for clicks. Yeah. And... um stereotyping of personality because there's enough to know everyone's name but not who they really are right so you classify them the way you need to right so I get to high school and I'm really good at sports so I became friends with the older kids on the cross-country team and the track team and were the cross-country kids the jocks because at my school like we didn't really have like quote unquote jocks but like there was always a differentiating factor between the like cross country and track kids and like the lacrosse kids you know because cross country and track honestly it's a little bit more bohemian definitely it's more um hippie-ish yeah because all you you need is your body and some sneakers a hundred percent and also you're not um it is a team sport in that like you can succeed as a team, but it's more individual. And so there's less of a pressure to um, show up for each other and, and succeed for each other in the sport, which I think I was always something. I also played baseball and like um, basketball for a short time. And I always felt a little bit uncomfortable feeling like athletically I had to carry a moment for the team or else. Right. We'd all like the fail. pressure is. I had enough pressure going on. So I think I liked that about track and cross country. I was good at it. I could succeed individually and it was never going to be on my shoulders that I like failed us. As right. A team. It's not like, oh, Matt, you didn't get the goal. Right. Or like whatever. Right. Where, where that Clearly was I play of, sports. You didn't get, you didn't the, get goal. the goal today. And so you're. <laughs> We're shunning you. <laughs> no, but it was a thing of like, I remember I played baseball and like, God forbid you like were an outfielder who dropped a, a fly ball. You know right. what I mean? Or God forbid like you had the bases loaded and you got on bait, you got up to bat and then like didn't deliver. And then you, you flopped. Know? And then you flopped. Like to flop at that time was like, it was hard to shake off. Yeah. So there was a lot going on. So tra- cross country and track was more for me. And also to answer your question, like 
those were like the thinking jocks. It was like kids that were doing good in school. Um, not to say that all the dummies were on the other more team-minded, you know, sports, but I just felt like everyone that I was doing cross country and track with were like smart people. It felt like, you know, there was less judgment. It was more, uh, the sense of humor was a little bit more developed and we listened to music I had never listened to before. Like I remember like everyone really liked like queen, you know what I mean? We weren't listening to like rap on the bus to like meets. We were listening to like Queen and like listening to like "Don't Stop Me Now." Yeah, like I don't know. And I just liked. I, I, I we liked are the champions. That. In a way, we're listening to another one bites the dust. I mean, really, it was like Bohemian Rhapsody was like such a find for me well, at that it, age. That was really a find. I think Bohemian Rhapsody, and I'm curious. You know, you're like maybe my second or third episode of this pod that I'm going to be releasing. So Honored. I'm curious to. Moving forward, there will be a question in in this podcast. When did you discover Bohemian Rhapsody? You know what's you know what's funny? It wasn't just it was like all that like I I think what I loved about Queen and what I loved about discovering Queen and why I felt even more comfortable with these kids is because it was there was like a drama in it. Oh, yeah. And like I remember like the kids would we would perform it full out on the bus to meets. And it wasn't just that. It was also um, Paradise by the Dashboard Light by Meatloaf, which when we went... Yeah. yeah. so this was a thing. When we went, Greta and I and her husband Abe and like a couple other people, Emily was there and Ian was there. Yeah. A bunch of our friends, we went to this like beer bar mm-hmm. and they were playing Paradise by the Dashboard Light by Meatloaf and I knew every word and I was shocked that you all, you straight individuals, yeah. did not know yeah. that tune. And no. I was like... I, I traced it back and now I can identify to you that's how I know it is because it was one of those like, like high dramatic eight minute long pop songs that I I listened to on the bus then. What and okay so we're we are in Islip from two that we're in high school from 2004 to 2008 mm-hmm. we're running cross country we're finding friends yeah. in our cross country team yeah. these are your these are nice sounding individuals who seem to be more intellectual than yeah, they just were curious perhaps yeah and they were you know what's flat out the truth is that they wanted to hang out with me yeah I think that they saw me in an environment where I was succeeding. And was confident. And my personality was coming through because I was confident. Right. And so they were like, I remember the first time they ever asked me to hang out with them. Like, like this one group of friends that I hung out with was to go to a haunted house. Um, what did you, you wear? Just, did you just hear my Long Island Haunted accent? house. I said haunted. What'd you wear? I remember. I remember I wore a... a because I wanted to seem chill and I wanted to dress like them because they didn't give a fuck. They were not into fashion. And so did you, wore, were you into fashion at this point? Not at the time. Okay. But that would change. So I wore a large gray cross country sweatshirt. Okay. That had your school name on it. No, that I probably got it like a meet or something. Okay. Like an, an invitational that we went to and like baggy jeans and sneakers, like real simple. And we did what this. What was the wash of the denim? It was like light wash. It okay. was like it was like you know that we weren't dealing. And are with, we in like an Asics or like a Brooks? definitely an Asics? Okay, like because that was I think Asics was my shoe of choice. Because another thing you have to know is like the sneaker culture wasn't just like I like how those look. It was like you know what's the well, how you were light in Long is Island. it? Oh, how light is it for running? I for also running. I also feel like a lot of the boys that I knew that grew up in Long Island in our 
time frame that went to high school were slash still are self-proclaimed sneakerheads. You know, I, I don't really care anymore. And this is just a weird thing with me is I just never notice people's footwear. Mm. Like people that notice shoes, I'm always like, that's so funny. And I wonder where they got that from. I never really noticed it. Maybe because in my developmental time, it's like I'm saying, like sneakers were not supposed to look good. It didn't matter. It mattered how they felt and how they functioned. Right. So I never think of sneakers as something like, or like shoes. a fashion statement. Right. Or as like the number one thing I'm going to spend time on. Right. Now in my adulthood, I know I know differently. Right. And I love shoes. Right. Um, and I get that it's important for them to go with the look. Mm-hmm. But at the time I was like, couldn't have been bothered. And I remember like... I hung out with them and it felt for the first time like I had friends that like were excited to hang out with me and that I could sort of quote unquote be myself around. Mind you, I was still closeted, but it was the first time I had like a social interaction out with like older kids and like felt accepted. So then I started to commit even more time to the track team and got really good. And I think by the time I was a sophomore, it was like my thing. Yeah. And you were not engaged. You were not doing theater you were not singing you were not doing all the things that we know about you now no completely avoided that stuff despite really in my heart of hearts that really being what I wanted to do um like I've always been someone who knew they wanted to be an actor and a performer Mm -hmm. and that was just stifled because it just was not in the cards for me at a school that size in the culture that flavor to, I, to be in performing arts. I feel the same way about myself, mm-hmm. but less so because I, you know, obviously I think that there was a lot of negativity in certain toxic environments about being a straight man and wanting to be involved in high school theater. I think yeah. that that, I think that that's probably hopefully gone away, but Yeah, for me, I was just like, I was discouraged. And I think that when we're discouraged at 14, 15, it really fucks with you. Because it's, it's, all it takes is like, you know, one or two people to be like, no, you're not, you're maybe you're not that good at this. For you to be like, okay, well, these elders that I need to trust that clearly are professionals Mm -hmm. are telling me I'm not good at this. So, then I'm, I guess I'm just not good at it. I never even got that far. I feel like I never even, it was just not in the cards for me to try out for it. I remember like when I was in high school. So anyway, I, I start doing well, start being friends with these older kids. And then mind you, remember, I'm not in classes with them because they're right. because I'm younger than them. Right. So then as I become more confident and have more friends in my classes, the kids started to be nicer to me. So that's when I started to get more comfortable with kids my own age. Were you bullied? I wasn't explicitly bullied, but I was left out by people that were my peers in middle school. And like, I remember the group of friends that I would ultimately come to identify as being a part of in high school by the end of it and the ones that I still consider my friends now that I was just at a wedding for one of them last weekend um they were sort of like in all the honors classes I was in because I was in like the honors classes and like they were like a large group of like 13 and I was one of the 10 other people in classes that was not in that group Mm -hmm. and it was hard like I remember feeling like 
they're going to have stuff to do on the weekends and they're going to have like people to go to things with and I just don't have that. Right. And so when I finally did make friends, um, when I got to high school and they were older, I felt like that was my own thing. And then all of a sudden, as I'm becoming more comfortable and knew my sense of humor and like found cultural references to use with everyone in classes, like I became friends with people that had previously left me out and I didn't think liked me. Mm -hmm. So now that's when the aesthetic change happened. So what, what happened? I remember to sort of illustrate for you when there was a literal change mm-hmm. was one of the things my older friends would always say is they would really pick on other kids I went to high school with, not to their faces ever, because we were like the cross-country like alt yeah. kids, but they would hate it when guys would pop their collars. Mm. So... And you know what I'm talking about if you're from like the tri-state area, but it's like, like the a pop, polo shirt, like a polo with a pop, shirt with, with a pop a collar. collar. Yeah, or even worse, if they were wearing two polos. Oh, yep. With both collars popped, mm-hmm. which was a thing. Yep. So, I mind you, like I hadn't even really shopped at American Eagle or Abercrombie. I could barely afford Abercrombie, so American Eagle was really the store. As I become more friends with people my own age, and I see that they're doing that because they were sort of you know, in terms of like the social hierarchy, they were more popular. Mm -hmm. I remember one time I did pop my collar Mm. and my friend Brian from the track team saw it. What color shirt? It was like a, like a, like a green polo shirt that I got from American Eagle. And he saw that I had popped my collar and he like, flipped it down he was like don't do that i think he even said like it's so gay when guys do that like even no. the, even the cool progressive track kids will still use gay as a pejorative so i tried to avoid that as much as i could like walking the walk of like wearing a polo that everyone else thought would think was cool but not popping the collar because that was like uncouth right for my older friends but then it sort of became a tug of war between like the friends i had made earlier on and the new friends I was making, and ultimately I became really tight with a click in my grade, which um, which would be all my friends throughout all of the rest of high school. And I ended up sort of falling out with the track kids. Interesting. Yeah. So you kind of, it was like once you got the acceptance and the approval, kind of with the people that you had wanted all along. Very much so. Then you were like, okay, I'm seeing the results of like being confident and like I'm seeing the pros of me being with the cross country people. But now that I have the approval and acceptance of the popular click in my grade, like fuck the cross right. country people. And who, especially who, who I'm going to graduate right. with. Like all my friends were going to graduate. Right. And then what was I going to have? I, and I remember like ultimately I did really want to be friends with these kids. And I also remember the first time they asked me to hang out with them socially was really weird because I had this cousin come up from Florida. And my cousin is from like a broken family. And he was coming up for like a week at the, the same week I was, I was, uh, I was ending ninth grade. And I remember these kids asked me to come hang out at my friend Brittany's house on like a Saturday night. And it was like the first day my cousin John David was coming from Florida. And I remember my mother told me I couldn't go because you had to hang out with, John I had David. to hang out with John David. And I was 
I, I lost my mind. I was oh, like, you absolutely. have to let me go hang out with these kids. They're not going to ask again. I was like, you don't understand. I was like, if I don't go hang out with them tonight, like they're going to think he doesn't want to hang out with us and they're not going to ask again. Like they haven't asked for three years. Like since I've known them, like this is a big deal. I'm not going to fucking stay here because of him. And I'll just, I just remember eventually I did wear her down because I got, I got to be so he much did. about it. Because it really was important to me at the time. But I remember like that probably didn't feel good for him. You know what I mean? That right. he, that he finally came up and I know he like, oh man, that's just that when, when you're that age and you, it means so much to you to be accepted. Also the stakes, like the, the, the reason why I love this podcast or the reason why I'm so happy that I'm doing it is because like when we go back and we think about it Mm -hmm. and like now as you know adults and as we're experiencing big things in our life big changes in our life all the stuff like nothing really compares to how high the stakes were when you are in high school like the stakes are just so high yeah everything is end of the world the end of the fucking world and like if you can't go I like I know that feeling I mean I still have like trauma as it pertains to like texting someone not hearing not hearing from them and being like oh my god everyone's mad at me like it's it's like so deeply ingrained I get FOMO bad now oh yeah and I wish I didn't but I do think it's like it's like left over from for sure, because that. the if you were someone that were that was excluded, 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 mm-hmm. and then finally you get the chance to come in. Now, as we're like older and we're navigating relationships, like I, de- I certainly deal with those feelings that are still present well, of being like, oh, like there, there was a there was a party and like I wasn't invited or like, and and it's truly like nothing. Half the time, it's like. We didn't know you were in town. We didn't know what was, you know, it's so innocent. But these things have conditioned us to be like, oh, it's about me. Oh, well, it's because, because they're in, rejecting me. Many times it was. In high school, 100%. Like, I mean, that's the thing, too, is it's just like, if I really examine myself now as a kid, I can pretty confidently say I had an anxiety situation going on. I remember being at the bus when I was in elementary school, on at the bus stop, like, almost throwing up when I saw it come around the corner. Like I always had social anxiety and then to not have any friends in middle school and then to suddenly get the opportunity to be friends with people that I had always wanted to be like, I was not staying fucking home. No, you weren't. No. And so what happened was I, I ended up becoming friends with them. And when I say the aesthetic change happened, I mean like I started to really care about what I looked like and really care about like, you know, how funny I was being and who like, like who I was surrounded by to the point where like, it's funny that you talk about the, the the podcast is called senior superlatives because I was the runner up for three, which we'll get to it, which we'll get to later. But it's funny when you talk about like aesthetics. Yeah. Um, so I remember like I'm becoming friends with them, this new group, and I remained really good at track as an athlete and across country and I stayed doing that. But I also like found my sense of humor Mm -hmm. through like cultural references that I was sharing with them. I mean, when I first saw the movie Anchorman and was able to quote it with my friends, like that was huge, like (laughs) literally huge. I remember like Mean Girls was huge, like being having a similar pop culture vernacular yeah. really went a long way yeah. for me. 
and discovering my sense of humor and discovering like how it could help friendships. Did you ever pretend to like be a fan of a band or a movie or a show? Like All you, the time. That you, okay. All the time. I remember, do you remember like when you get to a new class, they would have you fill out those things that was like a get to know you sheet? Yeah, like an icebreaker. Yeah. So the one I always dreaded was favorite artist, favorite singer, favorite band, whatever iteration of that was. Right. Because... What I would always want to say yes. was like Kelly or Christina Aguilera, right. who I loved, or, you know, something like that. Kelly or, Clarkson or Christina. Well, I also went to two Ashley Simpson concerts right. in high school, which we shouldn't just gloss over. No, we shouldn't. Well, I have to just c- confess. Well, you know, it's it's interesting because I do have high school story time that, you know, we I, I will soon in the next couple of minutes transition to. Oh, tell me a high school story. I have a good one. Um, but but basically, like I would always lie, right? And you know who I would always put? I think can I've told I guess? You this. Yeah, I think you have told me this, but I want to guess because I could. Did you put Red Hot Chili Peppers? No, I put. Was it a boy? Very much so. Wait, I want to guess one more time. Guess one more time. Is it? It's a rocker. In the, yes, right. It's not a rocker. It's a rock group, and it's fronted by a rocker. Maroon Five. No. That I wish I had been that cool at the time because they at the time were cool. They're very cool. Because they had released songs about Jane, which is like a cool album. And then they became Beauty like Queen of Only. That was certainly like the big song there, yeah. but I remember like Harder to Breathe, like this love harder, Sunday morning. That, yes, that was like See, I, I can I can rattle off all the songs. This love has taken its toll on me. She said goodbye. So good. It's so good. So, but that was when they were cool. Yeah. Like I would have been cool if I had said them. Yeah. Instead, to try to be cool, I would always put Limp Biscuit. No. Yeah. And so it got to a point you where you did it all for the nuggie. Literally, so so stupid. But um, oh my god. But basically, like there was a time where I never thought they would get read out loud. So one time, my it was oh my god, it was, it was eighth grade. Mind you, this is a bad time. It was eighth grade Spanish class, and my teacher, Senorita Ford, who was a pasty white lady with red hair and freckles, and she was Senorita Ford. She was young. She was like, okay, we're going to read some of these at random, and you're going to explain. And I was like, oh, dear God. Like, when it gets to me, please, God, don't get there. So... It gets to me and I'm just like, she's, I'm like, don't say favorite artist. Don't say favorite artist. Don't say favorite artist. And she goes, favorite actress. And I was like, Phew. and she goes, who is Christiana Loken? And I was like, oh no. So I had gotten what I wanted. She didn't ask yeah. about the favorite artist, but she did ask favorite actress. And I didn't want to say like, Drew Barrymore. Right. Or I don't know why I didn't want to say like who my favorite real actress was. I wanted to say like a hot girl. Right. Like a Megan Fox or something. Who didn't exist at the time Because you wanted people to think that you were like jacking off in your bedroom. Yeah. So then she goes, who's Christiana Loken? And I said, oh, she's the girl from the new Terminator movie. Because she was the T-1000 in the new Terminator movie at the time. And she goes, oh. And... She goes, how do you know her? <laughs> and I just go, I remember I'm panicking inside. Well, this and teacher I, sucks. She literally Senorita sucked. Senorita Ford, that's she not sucked. it. But then I go, 
I go, I bit my lip and I go, website. And she literally goes, she literally went, ugh. (laughs) And the whole class was like, ew. Like, and I felt like, oh my God, (laughs) I can't believe that. The way this worked. You just said website. Yeah, website. Like, I logged on. To do what? Like, I was insinuating that I was, like, coming about this actress. And she hated me from that. I remember it was the icebreaker. So this is how she's meeting me. So then um, I remember thinking to myself, it's just so tragic that what I set out to do was to try to seem straight by putting in Limp Biscuit, And I got what I wanted, but in the most disgusting, yes. like, way that I can never stand by. And, like, it's so opposite of who I was. Because literally, I wanted to put, like, fucking Kate Winslet. Sure. Okay? Yeah. And I should have, but I was too scared at yes. the time. Meanwhile, like no one would ever remember that now, but I have to hold that memory. And even just saying it out loud now sends a chill up my spine. Just the mask drag I was doing to try to fit in all throughout high school. And I mean, dressing, acting. You had a girlfriend. Had a girlfriend. Like I had, I had two girlfriends and one of them was my first kiss in ninth grade, Alex. I just went to her wedding. Was it good, the kiss? It, it, the kiss was fine. I mean, like, it was a kiss. I'm, I, we went under a street light near my house. I made it, like, special-ish. That's so romantic. It was cute. And then, you know what's great about her? She married a hot fucking dude. And Love I said, that. any girl who had a gay boyfriend in high school and went through that deserves to marry, like, a fucking brick house. Yes. Like, I remember he was he was giving his vows and we're sitting in the church and I turned to my best friend in high school, Kenny. Um, I, I hit his arm and I'm like, this voice. Yeah. And he goes, I mean, that's a man. And I was like, that's a man. <laughs> and I was just like so happy for her that she got to like, you know, get such a like brick house hot husband. Yeah. And Jonathan, who's a surfer. Oh damn! And but after Montauk. but after you drove dr- drugged her ass out underneath the streetlight and kissed, mm-hmm. and then how long did you guys? Very short. And then my other my main girlfriend in high school's name was Michelle, and she was like the captain of the track team as well. Right. So it was sort of written in the stars. That yeah, we would track date. stars together. And I remember we, I was just so terrified for it to proceed any right. further than. Then it was going. I remember we would just, our dates would be like on Sunday afternoon. I've told you this. Yeah. Our, our dates would be like on Sunday afternoon, we would go to Applebee's. I love that. And we would have like chicken cheese penne or whatever. And then I would drive her, I would drive her home in my 1995 Jeep Grand Cherokee Laredo, dark green, Jeff, its name was, named after the man who hot taught me to drive. Car, mm-hmm. Hot car. Um, and I'd, I'd park in front of her house and we'd make out for like, 20 seconds and then she'd go inside and that was every week so i remember like we dated for about two months and then i thought like towards the end of like the eight weeks i was like i have to try to move this forward like i've got are we juniors in high school we are okay and so this is during the year and so like i try one time to like touch her boob Mm -hmm. and she like hits my hand out of the way and she goes we are never doing that And I was like, all right. I was like, I love it. We're going to get married. I was like, I love this for me. That summer, I went to Boys State. Right. Which was like, you know, all the quote unquote best boys from every school went to it. And she was, they took our phones. She was mad that I didn't text her all week. And so when I got my phone and saw that she was upset, 
I basically used that as an excuse to break up with her. I was like, we're not, I was like, this was uncool. Like, I was a boy state. I was a boy state, you know, getting fucking my life (laughs) thrown into a blender. Like, that was a horrible week. But, um, but I, I had an excuse to break up with her, and then I didn't date any other girls all throughout high school. I just then really year, couldn't, no, could not pretend. No, you can't take it like a pill sometimes. No, it, it, it actually like made me physically uncomfortable to flirt with girls, kiss girls. Like, um, it's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing about them, or it was never about them. It was always just like I don't feel right doing this. Well, yes, because you are gay. About about (laughs) as gay as the day is long. But some gay guys have stories about being able to do that. Yeah, I mean, look, as we all know, sexuality is on a spectrum. Sure is. And I think that I'm just a hard Kinsey six. Yeah, I think that you just love, love men. I really do. And I think that, I mean, I don't know. I think... You probably like going further sexually with a girl in high school. You did the right thing, which was like, listen to yourself and be like, okay, I just need to avoid this at all costs. Whereas I talked to some other people and they bring it up as being like one of the most traumatic and like horrid experiences of their life. Because even if you are consenting to doing something sexual, if you really don't want to do it, it still is sexual trauma. And like, you know, I think a lot about when I was so like sexually advanced as a kid. Right. And, you know, I think about some of the things that I did when I was in middle school. Mm -hmm. And even though I was saying yes, 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 I think I was... In my mind, that's how I gained status or something, even though it ended up falling flat on its face because then I took it too far and then I became like, oh, slut girl with like big tits or something. Right. I think that it's also about gaining experience. Yeah. Like I remember that was what I thought I was missing out on the most in high school is I was like, I don't have the experience. I'm not going to have the experience. Right. I'm never going to catch up to them. Like I remember... I would just always compare myself to my best friend, Kenny, who had like this girlfriend, Erica, who he's now married to and they have kids. Um, Well, they have a daughter and they're going to have another kid soon. But I remember in high school, he was like, you know, they were like hooking up and like, I remember when they finally had sex and I was just like, that's, I'm so far behind all my friends. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, and another thing to say is there was no hornier person than me in high school. Right. Like I was so horny and What's frustrating is then finding out years later who was gay. Right. Because there was this kid, Shane, who I ended up like making out with outside of a bar when we were like 21, who told me that he was gay in high school and that I had been his type and that like in a perfect world. And I remember I was just like, oh, like I could have at least been getting it in on the low. Yeah, with that guy. Yeah. And then like, I don't know. I feel like. Not to get into too serious of subject, but had it been more normalized, I don't think I would have gotten into a bad situation that I got on, got into. So I was a bus boy when I was in high school and I ended up hooking up with like when I was I, I was 18. I, I, it was after I was of age or whatever, but I ended up like starting a relationship with my boss mm-hmm. and um 
I I think I ha- I would never have done that had I had it been more of an equitable situation like had you felt like you had the opportunity to have other experiences with people my own age at at our own pace but you know there's no sex education for LGBTQ people in high school I mean there's hardly sex education for straight heterosex like they hardly teach you fucking anything yeah so to think that they're gonna teach you anything about sex between two men or two women is like well, impossible. And that, well, especially because, you know, the other parents who don't have queer children, oh, or at sure. least don't know they would up have been in up in arms because, you know, this is like, this is like, um, so we're like hard millennials. We're, we're, you and I are like right in the middle of millennials. Yeah. So our parents are the types that were still, well, not really yours, but mine were very well, traditional mine- and con- not conservative. I think they were, not my parents were not socially conservative, but but Bless I you. think that the culture of parenting at the time was very like, it was still, there was like weird religious traditional stuff going on and like all about appearances and they just were not going to be interested in a progressive sexual education for any of the kids. So it's like that great John Early joke where it's like, I really now think as an adult, I wish I had learned less about trigonometry and more ha- about how to have sex with my butt. Right. Like that so says what it is. It's just like, here's things you needed to teach me in high school. How to do laundry, how to do my taxes, right. how to have sex with my butt. Right. Like the fact that STDs aren't a big fucking deal, you get a Z pack. You know what I mean? Like how to like um like life skills that really should be taught. Totally. How to boil pasta, how about that? I mean, I do feel very <laughs> grateful. I had a very my parents are both were my mom was very progressive and my dad too even though he was you know very stressed out when I was in high school but my mom never my mom was so upfront like my mom was like we need to get you on birth control if you're having sex uh you should probably use condoms just because you can get STDs like you know she was very upfront with me about things that being said I know some parents that are on the full other spectrum that are fully like you should ride them reverse cowgirl, yeah. you know, and well, it's like, now, now that's fucking, no. But I remember like when I've had the sex talk with my parents, it was because, so this is like another weird thing. When I had the sex talk with my parents when I was little, I think I was 11, 10 or 11 in mm-hmm. fifth grade. It was because in class, we were all given an assignment for like health that we were all going to pick a disease and do a report on it. Oh God. So I picked AIDS not knowing anything about it. I just knew that it was a major disease that was a big problem in the world. And I was like, oh, no one's picked AIDS. So I'm going to pick AIDS. And my teacher sent a note back to my parents or called my parents and said, Matthew has chosen to do AIDS. Um, To do AIDS. (laughs) Matthew has chosen to do AIDS for his project. I didn't tell him he couldn't. But I wanted to tell you before he started researching it so that you might have a discussion with him about whether he wants to do this one or not and just explain to him what kind of things he's going to find once he digs in. Because obviously, it's AIDS. Right. So my parents sat me down and they were like, we realize you've chosen AIDS. You know, Mrs. Sprague has contacted us and we wanted to tell you about how AIDS is transmitted and what it is. So they explained to me that AIDS was something that you get through sexual intercourse or intravenous drug 
share use sharing yeah among other things and that's when they gave me like the sex talk quote unquote but they actually didn't go into that it was like you know mostly associated with gay men they didn't really go into that but i remember i decided to do lyme disease instead Because I was like, this is a little too much. Because you're like, well, Yolanda Hadid has this. Yeah, well, right. I just knew in the future Yolanda Hadid would have it. But I did Lyme disease. And so that's, if you want to know all about why you shouldn't pet the deer in Fire Island, like you can come talk to me. But it was like, my sex education was very spotty and weird. Absolutely. And they weren't even going to breach the gay thing. No, of course not. No. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Why would they? Well, you know, I want to ask for a high school story because I feel like we just were chomping. We're chomping. You and I, we could truly yap for hours. We could yap and yap and yap. So let me ask you something. Do you want to hear about the time I went? Do you want to hear about concert stories? Do you want to hear about drinking stories? Do you want to hear about you to tell me when you think of high school? I want you to be like, oh this is such a high school. This is something that like kind of embodies a time in high school that was formative for me, or or I I, I seared into my memory, or okay. something like that. All right, I'm gonna tell. You this story. Okay. This is a saga. Okay. So it was August of 2006. Okay. And it was the end of the summer. And we had been, all my friends and I had been so excited because we were going to the OAR concert. Of a revolution. They were like a big, like, I guess now you could call them sort of like, like like yacht rock meets reggae meets I would like say I would I would classify I always put Scottish, OAR in the jam category. Jam. Yeah, they were like that. But a lot of jam heads, true like fish heads or like, you know, people that listen to some of that other shit that I can't disco biscuits, stuff right. like that. They would probably not think OAR is jam. Right. I think OAR is jam because to me it falls in the same category that Guster falls into. Right. I mean, for everyone out there that's uninitiated, you might know the song. Um, that was a crazy game of poker. That's and, the type of shit. Yeah. And their songs are also like 17 minutes long. Yeah. And they were, that was the vibe. Yeah. So we were all excited because they were being opened up for by um, Jack's Mannequin. 
So Jack's mannequin was like more pop. And, and I'd also just like to pause you for one quick second and say that you wore that Jack's mannequin shirt. I still have it. When we went to Disneyland mm-hmm. and you got yeah. more compliments yeah. on that shirt mm-hmm. than I've gotten on a pair of gorgeous Chanel boots. Uh, whenever I wear that, people come up people and they're like, oh my God, I love your t-shirt. Love. And I'm like, I, I say, this babe is from 2006. And I was like, this is from a concert at Jones Beach. So I still have a memory, a relic of this night and it still fits me and I love it and I get great comments on it. It's a great color and the shirt has held up truly over through the decades. Iconic shirt. That's from the aughts, baby. It is. And I will have it forever. It's like, I also have this old Jimmy Buffett shirt that my dad got in like 1979 it's starting to show its age now but i still have it and it's one of my like prized Prized possessions possessions. well that's that that you could sell for a lot of money okay so we're going to the oar concert at jones beach so oar i'm super excited because jack's mannequin is opening so we're at jones beach obviously iconically tailgating in the parking lot Mm -hmm. and getting fucked up. What were you drinking? What was oh, the drink beer. of choice? Beer. Oh, beer. beer. Oh, yeah. Just like getting like hammered, hammered, hammered. And probably the first time I ever drank, I'm, I'll never forget, was Bacardi Raz mm. by itself in like a little plastic cup, sure. like doing quote unquote shots, shots of it. Really just sipping it out of a plastic cup. But it was a lot of beer, light, light, light beer. Like, like nat- I'm talking natty ice. natty ice. I'm talking bush light. Yeah. I'm talking that. Or it was like literally we would get someone to get us like 99 apples and put it in a water bottle and like sip it. So it was probably a mixture of those two things, to be honest with you. I remember the boys went, I was in a group of eight girls and like four boys at the time. So the boys went separately and we were sitting in our own section and the girls all went together because the parents had bought them the tickets and they were taking a limo. Okay, I'm not even kidding you. They were they I think they got a Hummer limo. That's sick. And we also had a Hummer limo for junior prom. Ugh. And we rode it out to Jones Beach Lighthouse and like circled it and came back. There was no reason for us to have that a Hummer limo. So but, and it was fun. like it was like white. It was I like a love, white Hummer limo. It was I like love. so sick. So um they're taking a limo. We're like gonna meet up with them for pre-gaming. So we're pre-gaming, whatever. We're fucking wasted. We go in. Jack's mannequin is playing. We're like raging. Uh, I'm wearing my new t-shirt. I have pictures from this too. I'll send you the pictures so you can put it out. Please, like, when this comes. please. So they're on my Facebook. So I see like maybe 12 or 13 rows in front of us. There's like this group of girls that are like the same age as us and they're cute. So I'm feeling my shit and like I noticed this one girl like looking at me because I was like I was an attractive kid in high school. Yes, you still are. Well, you know, I I, I was growing into I, I was growing out of the awkward thing and more into like a handsome kid. So I was like really drunk feeling myself. I was with these guys that were like also really they were they were cute guys. I was happy to be around them and like we were having a really fun time. So I start like flirting with this girl like from across the thing and she's like flirting back or whatever and we're like going back and forth and like it's just I'm not thinking much of it but my friends are like dude 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 and I'm like yeah 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 and it's felt good because I'm like stunting like flirting with this girl and like people are buying it. So I eventually black out. I remember one other thing from that night which is we were trying to sneak my friend Lorianne into 
the men's bathroom so that she wouldn't have to wait on the long line. And we're running into the bathroom. We literally ran into the Jones Beach bathroom to bring her in and sneak her in. I was so excited about it. I slipped on a puddle of piss, landed on my back shoulder in the piss. No. And I remember this guy at a urinal turned around, dick out, still peeing, pointed to me and laughed. That's how drunk everyone was at the OAR thing. Barely remember OAR, whatever. So there, I'm doing one other thing that summer before I go back to school, which is I'm doing this track camp. I'm going to cross-country camp because the cross-country season was about to start. And basically, I took myself so seriously at that time where I was like, I'm going to do 100 miles when I go to this track camp. Like, I'm going to do 20 miles a day probably at the five-day thing, maybe take a couple days off and like... You know, whatever. I was supposed to go with a couple people from the team. Everyone bailed. So I ended up being the only person from my high school going. It's a week-long sleepaway camp. I had never done that before. My social anxiety starts to go crazy. So I'm really feeling like I don't want to go, but couldn't say that to my parents, especially my dad, who was like really excited about it. I was going to like get this final mile push before the season started. I go to the camp. I'm alone, bunking with all these guys I don't know who are like these straight dudes. Like not, it was hard for me to fit in. I go to like lunch the first day. I look up. There is the girl from the OAR concert with all those girls that she was with. And I hear them whisper to each other, that's OAR guy, that's OAR guy. And I was like, oh my God. So then I'm, that was the first sign of like, I started to like panic. Cause I'm like, this girl's gonna try to like, you know, hook up with me, whatever. Like, this is gonna be a thing. So like, days go by, like I'm like sort of interacting with her, sort of not like, and then one night it was like the ice cream social. It was like a milkshake social. Oh, we were all gonna like dance and drink milkshakes. We love an ice cream social. Yeah. So we um we were all like at this milkshake social or whatever, and we start dancing to truly like um had to be like yin yang twins uh-huh. like at the time like Ms. New Booty. You yep. remember you you know you probably shit that I can literally I found do you, Miss New, New Booty. Booty like goodies get it together and like, bring it yeah n- like one two step like this mm-hmm. is the time of like crunk and be automatic supersonic hypnotic funky, funky fresh all that yeah so we're I eventually start like grinding with this girl and the. The like chaperones have to come over and like separate us. And, like, you guys are getting nasty. You're getting nasty, and I was feeling myself on my milkshake and my my energy. <laughs> so I go home that night. I think, oh my god, I did it. And then her friends come over and they're like, she's gonna want to see you again tomorrow. And like other people at the camp had started like hooking up with each other, like fingering each other, etc., oh, finding ways to do that. No. So I start to feel crazy. That night I have like a sleepless night. I have like a cramp in my stomach. I start to feel hot. So in the morning I'm like sick. Like really sick. So I go to the nurse practitioner and I say, I'm feeling really sick and um, I don't think I can run. So I'm taking the day off and she's like, all right, well, you need to drink water. Have you been drinking water? I was like, yeah, like religiously, of course. I know what I'm doing. She's like, well, you need to drink more and you need to make sure you're eating right and you'll be fine. She sends me back. They're clearly being a directive, being given a directive of like, don't let any kid go home because we don't want to give them their money back. Right. So I'm go I go back and it's not getting better it's getting worse my fever is like a hundred it's like it's like crazy oh my god so I go back to the nurse practitioner and I'm like I think I might need to leave and she looks at me 
and I'm like in pain. Like I'm feeling hot. You have cramps. a full, full blown well, fever. Well, I thought I had a fever. Then she tells me you actually don't have a fever. Your your fever's coming back 98 degrees. And I was like, how is that possible if I feel this way? She looks at me and she goes, sweetheart, is this the first time you've been away from home? And I lose all my faculties. I have a full panic attack. I drop to the ground. My body starts uncontrollably shaking. I have to take all my clothes off. I'm laying on the ground of the nurse's office, like shaking violently. I'm having a like nervous breakdown panic attack, like in the movies. They have to cover me, Greta, in a metal sheet. And I don't stop shaking for 45 minutes. When I finally stop shaking, she goes, how are you feeling? I just said, call my parents. So my parents come up, they're they're, there like in two and a half hours because they drive upstate to get me. I get in the car, but the head of the camp comes over to my parents before we drive away. And he says to my father, and he's like this like track legend on Long Island. He goes, I can't believe you're letting your son quit. What's going to happen when he goes to college and he calls you? Are you going to come pick him up? Are you ever going to let him grow up? And then the guy turns and walked away and we got in the car and my mother turned to my father and she said, I cannot believe that you just let him talk to him like that. I was just like broken down in the back. And my dad was like, what the fuck was I supposed to say? It was shocking. I didn't know what to say. I couldn't believe he was saying that. And she's like, still. And I was just like, you guys, we cannot go into this right now. I just want to go home. We got to go home. So we get home. I eventually, I do have like a fever at home. Like it's like days go by, whatever. She still contacts me. Like the and, and no. by the way, when I was leaving, this girl is crying outside of my bunk. Like, don't go, Are don't you go. She was giving a whole display. Eventually, me and my friend Ryan go on a double date with this girl and her friend, and it's like a flop. They end up texting us. Do you want to hang out again? My friend Ryan goes, Tell them we'll hang out with them if we if they suck our dicks. Oh my god. And I said, I am not saying that to them. And he took my phone and typed in, we'll hang out with you if you suck our dicks. Oh, And they just respond God. immediately, when? <laughs> and I take my phone back and I go, hi, that was Ryan. I, I would never put you guys in that position. Like, that's not what's happening. I don't think we should hang out. Bye. Oh. I then find out that the girls tried to get a job at the restaurant I was working at hostessing like it didn't end. So they were like stalking you. It was well it was it was some form of like everyone was like in high school and mentally ill but I'll just never forget <laughs> that that's the way the camp ended with me having a nervous oh, psychotic break because of my gay God. panic and them not being able to take the fucking hint so that I was like not interested to the I point where I wonder where they are now. Oh my God I don't even even know but to the point where like they were told the most disgusting thing a teen boy could say and they oh. just said when <gasps> I was like that's Long Island culture right there oh my god it was so shocking everything about it is so disgusting but yeah that was a little high school story for you that's fucking crazy um oh is that a knock I hear it's <laughs> a knock why yes it is I think <laughs> I think we're stepping into school guidance counselor oh my god in our guidance uh, counselor segment, now you get to sort of rewrite something from your past. Maybe there's someone that harmed you and you want to get revenge. Maybe there's an apology you need to make. Maybe there's just that little itty bitty thing inside of you that needs to heal. 
Mm-hmm. And that's remember, that's what we do in guidance counselor. Mm-hmm. We heal. Yeah. So is there someone or something that you need to release that you um yeah that you have with you today from high school? You know what's funny? I don't really remember having like a tormentor in high school. I did in middle school. I could name him. His name was Chris, but it, then he kind of became like a non-factor in high school. But mm-hmm. there was this one guy who when I was in high school and I was like in like 10th, 11th, 12th grade, like it didn't matter that I was accepted by everyone pretty mm-hmm. much. Like it didn't matter that I had moved up in the quote unquote rankings mm-hmm. in terms of being popular or whatever. Like this one guy who was like tormenting me his name actually was donald which is just lol but um i remember one time he followed me down the hallway and was he your he was my year and was he friends with your friends sort of in a peripheral way like no one was like bummed that he was around except me and like he just felt like annoying and i remember like he would like hook up with hot girls and i was like really like and then towards the end of high school he did get a little bit of a body but like whatever not enough to like make up for how gross he was not enough to be like damn donald like it was happening for him but like not in a way where it was like you here's the thing you're always gonna have your face you know what i mean like wherever you go there you are right so he followed me down the hallway one time and was like, you like dicks in your ass. You like dicks in your ass. You like dicks in your ass. I remember it was just like weird. Like I was like, he wasn't even really my enemy. He was just like saying it to me and just like bugging me. And that was a thing. I think a lot of boys in high school like hated gay and like fixated on the like dicks in your ass element right. of it. And I guess for my guidance counselor, if mm-hmm. I could go back in time and like face Donald mm-hmm. and like face all those boys who were like, it's disgusting. They like dicks in their ass. Mm-hmm. I guess what I would want to tell them is like, you have no idea what happens when you figure out how to have like a prostate orgasm. Like I feel so <laughs> bad for you yeah. that you'll never know what it's like to get fucked by a man Mm -hmm. like or a woman with a strap on like but the fact that you're never going to discover your asshole Mm -hmm. and the pleasures within the treasure trove that is a prostate orgasm Mm -hmm. the fact that you're never gonna ride a dick in fire island and have the guy fucking you say take it all little bro Mm -hmm. and then you shoot a load (laughs) to god who's there by the way he's always watching he is always watching. He, God is a man. <laughs> the fact that you are never going to experience anal pleasure in that way, the fact that you're probably never even going to be able to maintain your asshole to get it ate and out and experience what that is, that you have so much butthole fear. Mm-hmm. I feel bad for you, actually. And you think that you're dragging me in this moment, but really you're just dragging yourself mm-hmm. because you are limited. You are constricted. Yes. You are repressed. Absolutely. And you following me down the road saying you like dicks in your ass, you like dicks in your ass, Gen Z Gen Z would have you absolutely drawn and quartered because you are a flop. You're afraid of yourself and you're in a straight prison and I'm actually a king for getting fucked in my ass. And also at the time, you're right. I 
didn't really know what what that was and I thought it was something to be ashamed of as well and my guidance counselor self me as me now I'd like to go back to myself then and be like you are gonna love dicks in your ass and you're gonna be better for it there you go to Donald to Donald I raise a glass of kombucha and I know wherever you are you're miserable because guess what a year after we graduated or so two years after I saw you at a bar and you came up to me drunk as a skunk and you said I miss you man you're always so funny and I had half a mind to turn around and tell you we were never friends and you did this shitty thing to me but you know what I said thanks Donald it's good to see you and I kept it moving (laughs) Well, this is a perfect segue into uh, sort of our ending section where we kind of ask like some rapid fire questions here. One of which, what advice would you give to your high school self? What what do you wish you could say to your high school self? You're going to be fine. You're going to you're actually going to be so good. Like every all the dreams that you have are like going to be coming true. Like it's so cool. Like you're going to be so proud of yourself. Oh, I love that. Like you're it's actually unreal. Like all the things that you wanted, like most of them are going to come true. Some of them are not, but it's going to make you a better person and you're in for a great ride if you say yes to stuff and you just get over this little hill, which is your sexuality and the fact that you're in a closed-minded um, environment right now. Like, you're going to be you're going to be really surprised. Aww. That's true. Um, did you have a senior quote? Oh my God, I'm sure I did, but I don't remember it. Because honestly, it, it bears no significance because it was certainly something that I thought everyone else would like and mm. didn't say anything about me. Okay, fair. Favorite teacher? My favorite teacher was Mrs. McGinnis, who was my AP Lit teacher. And I really loved her because she really seemed to care to expose us to things that she loved. I remember how excited she got when mm-hmm. we were like doing um, the Scottish play. Um, or like um, Hamlet and uh, like I remember how excited she was to expose us to musical theater too. She loved Sondheim and that was how I got exposed to Stephen Sondheim's work like Sweeney Todd. Mm. Remember the Sweeney Todd movie was coming out that year and she was so excited about it that it was being made into a big movie and she was my favorite teacher because she exposed me to art outside of just literature and she seemed excited about it and I I actually told her that on I think I was her friend on Facebook years and years later and I told her like that she made a difference to me that is so nice yeah. what was your favorite song to grind to in high school favorite song to grind to in high school I mean you know what's funny or slow dance yeah, slow dance I, I didn't really like any of that well, yeah, because, sure, it, because it was it carried it's trauma for me implied right but I remember like one song which I remember coming on at a sixth grade social. This is not high school, but I remember it from that time mm-hmm. I wrote it in was Shakira, Whenever, Wherever. Oh, beautiful I mean, song. when that song came on, I was like, Look at them, my breasts are small and humble, so I'm gonna confuse them with mountains. I was just like, And that boom, 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 it was yeah. such a bop. It was, yeah, such a bop. And finally, Matt, we're here. What was your senior superlative? Okay. So I was the runner-up for three. Okay. I was the runner-up for Best Dressed. Okay. I lost to Ryan Beltrami. I was the runner-up for Attached at the Hip with my best friend Kenny Donahue. And I was the runner-up for Most Athletic. I lost to Malcolm Brown, who was like way more athletic than I was. He played football and went on to be like a successful college football player. But like I was the runner-up in those three. But that all being said, I did win Senior Prom King. Which is 
crazy. It's like the Oscar. You won the Oscar and you won you won Best Picture, Best Director, <laughs> Best Actor, Best Screenplay, Best Adapted. I took it. You home. took it all. You swept. Like it's funny because I was nominated. Like like I said, like really no friends when I started high school. And then by the time prom I was done, I felt like I won high school because of all these things. I was nominated for Junior Prom King and Homecoming King and didn't win. And then I felt like, you know, Amy Adams, Glenn Close overdue <laughs> by the time Senior Prom King happened and I won that. What color was your tux? My tux was black and purple. Gorgeous. Yeah. And who was your date? Alex Dorsam, who was my first kiss, Aww. who I just talked about. We brought her around full circle, went to prom together, and I just watched her get married. I love that. Wow. Yeah. Gosh, Matt, what a what a gorgeous little episode of Senior Superlatives we've had. It's always a pleasure just chatting with you. Could chat we with did. you all day. We certainly did and do. And we even chatted before this episode started. So and guess been... what? We're going to chat after. <laughs> We're going to chat after. Matt, I'm sure all of my <laughs> listeners already have been listening to you for but years well, upon years know. upon years. But if not... Um, where should they hear more of you? They should um, follow me on Instagram at Matt Rogers, though, T-H-O. Or they can listen to the podcast Las Culturistas with Bo and Yang, which comes out every Wednesday. Um, and they can listen to the HBO Max Movie Club, which is my other podcast uh, where I talk about HBO Max movies. I'm also iconically on, on that podcast. We talked about a bad <laughs> fucking movie called Reminiscence. <laughs> Oh. And that's that's just the truth. It was very hard for us to do an episode on, but it's, that's just a testament to how much we can babble on because we were able to talk about that piece of shit god awful movie for <laughs> forty minutes. Well, gosh, thank you guys so much for joining me for another episode of Senior Superlatives. You know, we come out. I I think every Thursday. It's not even released yet, but I think we're going to be releasing it. Thursday's every Thursday. a great day. Must must see TV. Must Thursdays. See TV. <laughs> um, must see podcast. Must hear. Please subscribe to my podcast on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever, wherever it is, wherever you get your pods. Please review it, but only give me five stars. Five stars. Only five stars. And 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 reviews any less than five stars. And I've said this on all my podcasts in the they past. Hurt. Honey, I don't need to hear it because guess yeah. what? This service, it's free. Yeah. So, you know, that's it. And as we say here on Senior Superlatives, stay cool, never change. <laughs> Till next time. That was a headgum podcast. <laughs>